That's, that's... No? No? Okay. All right. Listen. Welcome to the Untold Horrors Podcast, the show where two horror-loving film nerds mine the depths of Tubi to unearth hidden treasures. Our goal is to help you discover great films you never knew existed. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be one of your tour guides for this expedition. I'm joined by my co-host Jamie, who had the honor of picking this week's theme for exploration. Jamie, why don't you tell the folks what subgenre you chose to explore and the three films you picked for me based solely on the brief Tubi synopsis and poster art. The theme I selected for us was Infected Horror. Uh, the three films I chose were 2012's Sick Survive the Night, which is about three survivors sheltering in an abandoned house during a zombie apocalypse. I also chose 2015's Danish horror film What We Become, which is about a family unraveling during a plague. And finally, 2021's Winter Hunger, which is about people trying to survive rabies, uh, a rabies virus mutation that has been transmitted to humans. So, Stephanie, why don't you tell us what you picked and why you picked it, and then I'll provide a brief background about that motion picture. Okay. Uh, I chose What We Become because I am a sucker for foreign films. And the description of a family trying to survive a bloody berserk summer in the middle of a zombie plague sounded like it could be intense and thrilling. So it sounded like it could be um, something something with a little bit of depth that we could talk about. Yes, um, I agree. Uh, what We Become is a 2015 Danish horror movie directed by Bo Mikkelsen, or Michelson. It's probably Mikkelsen. And it is the first post-apocalyptic zombie movie to be made in Denmark. Um, it has a chilling tagline, stay home, lock up, don't breathe. The first, uh, the, the film was released in four cinemas across Denmark on March 31st, 2016. And that prompted concern from reviewers that the film could flop due to this. However, the film was made available two weeks later via streaming. It didn't seem to be uh, distributed very well, I don't think. And that's, that's a shame. So, um, Stephanie, yeah, what do you have okay. to say? Well, I guess uh, if that is, uh, if that's all that we want to talk about as far as background, then let's just start getting into talking about it. Sound good? That sounds great. Let's get into it. Awesome. Well, I want to start by saying that I was really... I was really thrilled with kind of how our, and I don't want to, I want to talk about just this film. I don't want to get into the second one yet, but I do want to just preface that it was really cool how wildly different the films we picked were. Um, I think it was yes. just, it was made it really fun to watch and to have two completely different viewing experiences. And I think hopefully it'll be really fun to talk about because of that. Um, I think, you know, just to start, I think immediately with this one, you sort of get that it's going for a little bit more art house vibes. Um, it is yeah. from IFC Films, which I think generally is a is a really good sign. Like when I see them, I'm I'm usually yeah. 
pleasantly surprised with whatever they put out. I agree. I trust I trust them a lot too. Um, I was immediate. I was immediately um, excited about it when I saw just how well it was photographed. How sort of not uh, not devoid of color, but it, it was just there were a lot of blacks, blues, greens, um, and it just looked really smooth. And I for this particular movie, I really liked that. And I also liked the way the story started to unfold. The uh, it was a wonderful script. Worked perfectly. The acting was great. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead, but yeah. Um, well, let's first um, things first. It was a great looking movie. Yeah. Um, I guess let's just start, and we'll sort of go through some of the the major beats, and and just talk about what stood out. Um, first of all, I really enjoy when films do what this film did, where it's where you have this cold open, where you sort of immediately get thrown into this really tense situation. Um, so what it yeah. does is basically starting where the film kind of ends and then going backwards. But it works really well because obviously you need a bit of setup and you need a little bit of time to set the stage for what's going to happen. But they start it in such a way that you get a little bit of that sort of intensity. and You sort of know about the vibe of the film before they go yeah. back and start saying like, oh, here's where we started. And you meet this like, I must say. Everything in this is very, everything's very beautiful. It's this very idyllic suburban neighborhood. It's a yep. beautiful sunny day. It's like you said, gorgeously shot. You've got this gorgeous nuclear family of this husband and wife and their teen son and their young daughter. And they really kind of look like they're a family out of a painting. It's just very lovely and serene. And that's really nice because, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. So for it to start so like, oh, everything is just so beautiful and sunny and and peaceful and wonderful and then then to pull the rug out from under them i think that's a really effective thing i could look at that um i can look at this uh, at the introduction um in one of two ways which is either a lot of movies um are starting this way now um mm -hmm. either with the middle of the story um or the end of the story first and it's getting I don't know if, if I should say repetitive, but a lot of movies do that now. And I think a lot of that came from uh, Pulp Fiction. So that's sort of a cynical way to look at it, which I can't help but look at in a certain way. But this time it set up the movie fantastically. It uh, really prepared you. It really shocked you at first with um, there was just sweat and tears and mucus and blood. And just the characters were just like anguished up to 11. I mean, and it's like you said, it's a really shocking way to start a movie to sort of set you up for how serious it's going to get. And like I said, sometimes that particular trope doesn't work, but it works with this movie for me uh, because it sort of sets up, um, like I said, the seriousness, uh, the stakes, uh, the intensity of the movie itself, the, the intensity of the filmmaking, yeah, I think it helps. Like, I know it's cliche, but I think it helps because especially a film like this where you're going to have a little bit of a slow build and it's going to take you a little bit before you get into like extreme like horror. And so I think so that you don't lose audiences early on and they don't get bored and they're like, oh, this is going to be like a slow kind of dramatic film. I'm not interested. You sort of immediately are like, no, this is going to get intense. So just kind of hang on and be patient and it'll it'll pay off in a really nice way. But I thought they did. I thought it was a really smart choice. Um, yeah, I agree. 
then after, so after you get your little cold open, I will say, if anybody that's going to watch this, that I need to tell you there's a, a seizure alert for the title screen. The title Ooh, screen yes. is insane. It's really hard to watch. And I don't, I don't have like problems with flashing lights, but if you do, you're going to, you're going to want to like pop out, right? Like, it's, it only lasts yeah. for like a second, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of flashing lights on the screen. Yeah. But I mean, that worked too, because just like the, the cold open, as you called it, the uh, presentation of the title mm-hmm. was another way to shock you. Yeah, it's very disorienting. It really sh- it really kind of puts you on edge to start the film. Um, so it's smart. This was, re- this was really, yeah, it was a really smartly made movie. It was really, yeah. Dis- yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really, uh, it's a very competent film for sure. Um and then we get sort of we get the introduction to the 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 core family, which is who we're going to follow for the majority of the film. And uh, like I said, pretty pretty uh, um, typical suburban, you know, white bread family. Um, yeah. You get the husband and wife, but, and and they're they're bickering a little bit, but it's nothing serious. It's really just sort of petty married life stuff, like why don't you ever put the dishes away, and why are you such a dag? You know that kind of BS stuff. You can tell they're just. Yeah. They're sort of grating on each other's nerves, you know, like yeah. married couples do. And and she's sort of, you know, getting on to him for not being very present. And he's just kind of whistling. And she says, yeah. if, I, if I told you the world was ending, you'd still just whistle. And I thought oh, that was boy. like a lovely little bit of ominous foreshadowing. But um, right yeah. after you sort of just meet everyone, um, you get this news segment on the television that says that there's an infectious disease that has been spreading, I believe, at a nursing home. Um, and so they're just like, hey, we're not, and scientists really aren't sure what it is, but we're sort of looking into it. And then- It has been established that persons who have recently died are coming back to life and seeking human victims. None of Widespread that. Investiga- I'm sorry. Um, so <laughs> then you start to just get really subtle signs. And I really liked how they did this because it is, um, a bit of a slow build, and I don't say that to mean that it's boring. I just mean that they're they're sort of yeah. they're not throwing you right in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. They're really sort of setting the stage for it. Um, well, it makes and, it makes sense because the shit would hit the fan slowly, like a wave. Yeah. You know? well, um, and that always really freaks me out when they show when they don't just throw you in the middle of it, but they show sort of how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels like you can imagine yourself in that situation. You can imagine what that would feel like. And especially this was made before the before COVID. But now that we've lived through oh. COVID, we understand what that was sort of like at the first early stages of like, hey, something might be wrong. And then all of it, it went from something might be wrong, but don't worry. And it felt yeah. like the next day it was like, everybody stay in your house and don't leave. And the whole world's going to shut down for a little while. And we're like, okay, wow. So this felt very, um, it resonated quite a bit with me. There's a magic to making zombie movies. I don't know if it's just, if it's the pacing or the writing or the vision of the director, the editing, something where uh, an outbreak, the, the, the presentation of the outbreak just, is just so perfect. It's so fluid. And then there's other times when it's just, it's just clumsy. Like, like in, um, it's, it's not immersive, like the walking dead. We all love the walking dead. At least I do did. Um, but it wasn't immersive. It wasn't like, oh, what would I do? What am I going to do? What would they do? Oh, my God. It was just like watching a story being told. Whereas in um, what, 
what we become, I felt a little more immersed. I felt like I was there in the house, like this could really happen to me. Everything with me is about immersion. And I was in that house. Yeah, I really, um, you know, not to, not to beat a dead horse, but like, I just really like how they reacted to it. It was very mm -hmm. sensitive and very uncomfortable and uncomplimentary. And I was nervous and I was like anxious and stressed out. And um, it, it really, it sort of made me sick to my stomach, but in a good way. That sounds like a bad Sounds like a bad endorsement, but it was really very effective for me personally. The 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 color palette, although I praised it, I mean it's very dark, very gloomy, very grim, and I think that's that uh, psychologically that contributes to uh, discomfort as well. You get to a point where sirens start going off, which I always find in films is in it's subtle things like that, but sirens to me are incredibly terrifying. They give me like Silent Hill vibes. Every time I hear a siren going mm. off. I get very like tense and stressed out. It, I, I'm a very, I have a very visceral reaction to sounds in films. And like, have you? I'm oh, sorry. go ahead. Sorry, go no, go ahead. Have you heard uh, in the first in the Evil Dead remake, uh, Fida Alvarez uh, had just like part of the whole project. He moved, he moved to LA from I don't know Spain or or something like that. And the one thing that alarmed him more than anything were the sirens. Um, the fire sirens, yeah. police sirens. And he incorporated that into the score because he thought that would really ramp up the stress. And I think it did. Mm, it wasn't very subliminal because it's yeah. like one of the biggest sounds in the movie. Like, and I was wondering if it was a chorus or if it was a siren. And apparently it was a siren. Those weren't voices. And that worked a lot. This is a really, I mean, you do get a zombie element in the end. But it really isn't a zombie yeah. film. It is more of a, like, it's more of a um, pandemic infection type film. So it works really well with our theme. And it's more about, like, there's a disease and it's spreading and it's, they can't, they don't know what it is. They can't control it. And then it starts to become, like, a very big threat. And, of course, like, when you have a threat of this nature, the government steps in. And the government mm -hmm. isn't always there to, like, make you feel. Um, no. You know, safe and comfortable. They all they are in this film, like in a lot of films, um, like the crazies kind of situation where the government's just as terrifying, if not more so, as the disease itself. What it took me out of the, uh, the movie a little bit because uh, these government, I mean, they were beyond the mist and they were beyond like the crazies government people. I mean, these these guys were like. They said nothing except get in your houses, get, a, you know back in your houses and they were yelling everything very aggressively they were really eager to shoot people and I, I just don't think in real life they would be that brutal I really don't well I I sort of disagree with you there okay. because um I mean I think in the beginning of the film you know you're watching you're like Jesus fuck like this is insanity right like this it, it did feel a little over the top but I think the point of it, which I, they sort of get to, is that it reveals the extent of the threat. Like they're in a situation where it is, it it is like a, a mass epidemic threat that is incredibly dangerous that needs to be controlled. So they're in a situation where 
Because, you know, there's that whole part where they think, you, you know, the teens are like, holy shit, they're like beating people in the streets. And yeah. it's like, it's like martial law and they're, they're out of control and they're really dangerous. And we, we get, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we get this scene where the teen boy, cause they get quarantined to their house. They're not allowed to leave. They're barricaded in basically. And if they try to leave, there's like guys at their doors with, you know, guns that are like, get the fuck back in the house. And it's like that level of intensity. And the teen boy sneaks out and he basically, he's like doing a, um, What's what's the movie like 28 weeks later where they let the monkeys uh-huh. go in the beginning and they release the contagion into the world Well, he goes and he tries to release these uh, people that are being hoarded into this van by the military and doesn't realize that they're all contaminated. And that's what sort of like is the beginning of the end. I like the fact that they didn't spoon feed you with that particular scene. Um, they didn't sort of shoot it and indicate like, look, there he goes. He's going to let all those people out. They just sort of showed him naturally you know, wandering around in the the base, you know, as one usually would. And he thought that he was freeing people. Yeah. I believe. Did I interpret that right? Yeah. No, he was, like I said, he was, he thought that, he thought that the military is the bad guys and that they're rounding up people who are innocents for no reason. And he doesn't realize like the extent of what's happening, but really they had rounded up people who are infected in an effort to try to control this like rampant disease. There's just so much miscommunication. I I hope that doesn't happen if we ever in, end up in something but, like that. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Like, honestly, and you know, when we talk about, this is the thing now, movies like this, pre-pandemic, I think we had a lot of like, well, that seems far-fetched. But after we went yeah. through COVID and we saw our government response to COVID and we saw how badly we handled literally every fucking aspect of it and thank god like covid was a a bad big deal i mean don't get me wrong i'm not downplaying it but thank god it wasn't more of a threat than it was because we the devastating response to that and how badly we fumbled that is pretty terrifying when you think about it and you think about you know obviously i don't we're not going to have zombies probably but we the idea of us having yeah. an infectious plague that yeah. could kill a bunch of people is very, very real, obviously. And so you see mistake after mistake after mistake. And instead of me being like, well, that seems far-fetched for a movie, I'm like, yep, that's about how I would expect it to go down. Oh, that's true. It is It is very scary. It was a very... But I just, I liked how he, uh, it wasn't really, you know, with suspenseful music or anything. It was just sort of, he just started opening doors yeah. And there was just that brief scene where one little hand came out and you're like, Ugh. and he's so romantic and he loves that girl so much. He likes her so much. And all he wants is to just be with her and just do other things with her. And it's he just he's such a stupid motherfucker. He's just kid. Just stand back and see what you're doing. Well, you know, I mean, he's putting his fan, he's putting the the lives of the entire neighborhood at risk. He's well, he doesn't his know that. He doesn't know risk. that. And this oh, is the thing is like, no, no, he shouldn't. Because he's a teen boy. They don't know well, shit. But, they don't yeah, know anything. He, and they think they know everything. And that's a dangerous combination. And I'm not like, look, this is not hateful. Every single one of us was a teen. Every single one of us was fucking stupid as hell. Some of us still are uh, as grownups. <laughs> oh. um, listen. This is very realistic. Like teenagers, you cannot tell them anything. And the second you tell them what not to do, what what do they want to do? 
The exact thing yeah, you told him not to do. They but don't in, know. A, in a life or death situation, he doesn't such know as this, it's life or death, though. He doesn't realize. Well, why not? No, That's dumb. It's not how, dumb because how can nobody. Because, first of all, I'm going to go back to this. This is going to get a little political, so I'm sorry, but buckle your seat no, that's I don't mind. I like hearing, hearing your, uh, your take on things. Look, we just, again, I'm going to say two things here. The first thing I'm going to say is that we just survived a pandemic that we are technically still in, but whatever. Mm. Um, and we had a good half the country saying it wasn't even real and that they weren't going to wear masks. That was stupid. And it was a government conspiracy and they were going to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And the government couldn't tell them anything differently. All right. And you had and that was a real thing. And it was all over the news. And you had scientists and you had very smart people coming on and saying, look, this is a serious thing. And here's what you need to do to protect yourself. And again, a good half of our country was like, fuck you. And that's what we have to deal with. And that's grownups. That is a grown ass people who should know better, right? Oh, I, I watch YouTube. I know. Okay. <laughs> I've seen videos. So so that's point the first. And point the second is yeah. in the movie, in the world of the movie, information was being withheld. They didn't, if you watch True. like the news clippings and you watch like, they didn't know what the fuck was going on. All they were seeing on the news was like, no, don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. And then all of a sudden there's like people in the, sh it's like a, a third world country out in the streets, like a war torn country. There's like people in full hazmat gear and people in rifles and all their doors are barricaded and they have to be brought supplies and their windows start getting covered up. And then they start putting black tarp over houses and they're just, they're seeing this yeah. shit, but nobody is telling them what is happening and why even the grownups. So to say he should have fucking known, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And then you take it a step further and you're like, even if the grownups did know what was going on, the teens sure as hell didn't know because they aren't watching the news and paying attention. And all he cares about is that he doesn't want to be cooped up in that house and he wants to go see his girlfriend. And that's it. And that's teen boy brain. That's all that matters. So for <laughs> me, I don't I mean, obviously, it's not malicious. And obviously, it's not like if he had known the stakes or what had happened, he wouldn't have done it. But the way it plays out feels really realistic to me. Like, I feel like that's what would happen. I agree. It was very realistic. Uh, the uh, the couple. I don't I don't know their names. I'm sorry. The the girl, uh, the guy and the girl, and she sort of immediately thought he was infected because he coughed. Her 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 behavior, I found, I don't know, quite appalling. I don't think it was appalling at all. No, I, oh. <laughs> Jamie. First of all, oh no, I I don't know what to say to you <laughs> because. You went through a pandemic just like the rest of us. Like, did you not, were you not in a situation? Maybe you weren't around people, but if I was like, I, like I was, I would go to the office, right? Um, at the kind of start of it before we were all like, nobody's going anywhere sort of thing. And I've been in, I was in rooms where somebody would cough and everybody would be like, oh, well, you got, you got COVID and everybody would freak out. And it was just like a thing. And that was, that was, that wasn't a zombie apocalypse. That was COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like, but there was, there was this paranoia but, where it's like, there's, you have to, you have to take a step back and realize there is an infectious disease that is spreading like wildfire. And they don't know how it's being spread. They don't know what the fuck it is. They don't know how to stop it. And they're a little concerned and you've got people and, and they start telling you the symptoms, right? They're like, yeah, you're going to, it's going to start with a cough. And then you're with somebody and they start coughing. You're immediately going to be like, oh shit, do you have the, do you have the but, thing? 
he's not some guy in an office with her. She, he's not some goof in a in a grocery store. Well, he was, she wasn't like her family, her husband. She wasn't like get the fuck out of my house. She just scooted over. It took a, a while bit. for that to happen, but it did she, happen, sort of. She just shifted a little. I listen. <laughs> it's crazy to me that you the things that you react to where you're like, well, that's fucked up. I'm like, no, it's not. The, it, it's, I mean, people, even loved ones, even something like the flu, if the flu's going around and you're worried about getting it, if somebody starts coughing, you, that's a normal thing. You're like, oh, get away from me. Like, it's not, you don't say, you don't say it in a cruel, hateful way, but you are a little bit like, mm, don't cough on me. I don't want, I don't want the fucking flu. I don't want COVID. I don't want whatever you've got. Okay. Let me interject. She was damn right panicky in an aggressive way. She was and not. That was her, that was what hurtful. movie did you watch? What movie did you watch? Okay. He coughed on the couch. She was sitting next to him. She kind of gave him a look and she subtly scooted she a, a little, a couple of inches to the left of him. How is that talk- aggressive and panicky? I'm, 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 I'm talking oh about my the God. shit. I'm talking about the shit attack she has after all that. When, what? Yeah, yeah, I need more details. I need you to explain more. She she just sort of was like, oh, get get away from me. Oh, my God, you have it. You have it. And he's like, no, no, please. No, no. And he's like, I don't know. You're you're fuck me. You're right. I mean, at a certain point, at a certain point, they all start losing their shit and panicking because it's a terrifying situation. I mean, she does start panicking when they start like boarding up the house and being like you can't fucking leave and she starts to have like a visceral reaction to that is that what you're talking about yeah yeah I, and then when I she mean, drives away she just abandons him and drives away well she's first of all he wasn't that great of a dude let's be honest and i don't but know that she they were supposedly married. loved him didn't she i don't know i mean uh, see, we have uh, different ways of thinking about certain things and it's actually fun but well i'm just yeah, saying like he was pretty much a dick and she was she was having a panic attack and i kind of think you have to give people allowances in the state in a state of uh extreme terror like that where you are like freaking out you're like what the fuck is happening because honestly like, i'm just watching this movie and i'm very stressed out i'm very like ramped up and anxious and uncomfortable i and i try to imagine when i'm watching it like what would that be like in real life like yeah what would that actually because you know what we were we were quarantined during covid for and, a while yeah and for a pretty long while and i i'm just saying yeah we were okay i i personally was was pretty totes fine with it because i'm yeah. an introvert and i <laughs> um you know i had plenty of things to keep me busy plenty of like work to do and I didn't I didn't lose my shit but I had I knew plenty of people who were losing their fucking minds during quarantine because they're extroverts they need to be out in the world they were they were stifled they were bored they were lonely they were all these things and it took a real serious psychological toll on them and that was just the government saying hey it's really best if you stay inside now, take that situation and imagine this isn't the government just saying like, hey, 
this, we really think you should do this because it's the right thing to do. This is the government coming and boarding up your house and standing outside your door with semi-automatic rifles. Yeah. And when you try to fucking open your door, they let they scream at you and they say, get the fuck back in the house. Like that level of terror is, you know, on a magnitude that I don't think we can comprehend. So I don't think people handling a situation badly, I think you got to make allowances for it because who the hell knows how any of us would handle a situation like that? You know, you aren't thinking clearly. You aren't doing what you would normally do under normal when you're not under extreme duress. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I just... You know, it's funny. Our disagreement about this is just interesting because it's like a microcosm of of what would really happen in in real life if uh, if there was like a a zombie level uh, attack. Because you know, we're we're sort of like, no, they should do this. No, he should have done that, and like multiply that by a billion. And I can well, I see, think... I can see why people go nutty. And... I get a little like. <sighs> Defensive isn't the word because you're not attacking me, but I'm not. No, I know. I that's what I just said. That is what I just fucking said. Okay, you're not attacking me. That's why I said defensive is the wrong word. But I'm not sure the word I'm looking for. But I get sort of. uh, I I I get. I'm a little bit of an apologist. I guess is the right word. In that, like when people. I'm going, I'm going to fucking tell you if you would like to let me finish. I will tell you what I'm talking about. When people, like, let's say somebody's going through a grief situation. And then someone will say, I really don't think you're handling your grief well. Or shouldn't you stop moping now? Or shouldn't you be over it by now? Or you know what would maybe help is if you would stop laying around the house moping and you would just get out and get into the world. You know, people... And all those people that have ideas about how you should handle your grief are well-intentioned. You know, they have good intentions. They're well-meaning. They aren't trying to be total assholes. But But, you should never, ever tell anyone how they should deal with a situation when they're under duress. Because, one, you don't know how you're actually going to deal with it because we— don't actually handle things the way we think we should, we would most of the time. And two, all of us are different and we're all like differently equipped to handle things. And so if somebody is spiraling in a way that you think is not appropriate, not, and I'm not saying you, and I'm not, I'm not being judgmental towards you. I'm just saying in In, general, like I feel, I get defensive of people (laughs) who are going through it and who do something where you're like, well, that's not what I would do. That's fucked up. I'm just like, Hey, I don't know that any of us know what we would do. And also, like, some of us are going to be really fucked up in that situation because we can't handle stress well. And so we lose our minds. And it's easy to judge from a distance. But when you're in the thick of the chaos, um, you know, I think I think a lot of us and, and again, I'm just saying, like, I think a lot of us were had really bad reactions to COVID. I'm imagining plenty of us would have a very bad reaction to this situation because it's about a yeah. hundred times worse than COVID, you know? I, I, I like this. This is like, this is why horror movies are so great. Could you, could we have this conversation about pretty much, I'm kind of a blanket statement, but could we have this conversation about any other kind of movie in any other genre besides horror, sci-fi, fantasy? We are so lucky that we get to have movies like this. 
Yeah. Although, Jamie, I think you and I could probably fight about just about anything, so. No, we can't. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had to do that. Um, what? Uh, I know we sort of like went, we went down a rabbit hole. Um, speaking of, there is an adorable little rabbit in this movie and it's really. Oh, the rabbit. It's really unfortunate <sighs> and really cruel yeah. of them to, first of all. Two things. First of all, fuck these these filmmakers, okay? Because <laughs> that little girl is about the cutest little girl that I've ever seen in my life. Yes, yes. And I was very uh, like I was like the 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 parents, the couples, the the adults in the situation. I don't fucking care. Whatever. Um, the teen son, I wasn't really that like invested in. But that sweet little girl, I was like, you precious angel. And of course they. Um, they fuck with her. And then she's got this adorable, like the cutest little white fluffy bunny I've ever seen in my in my whole God-given life. And they fuck with the bunny. And it's really, it's really messed up. They really know how to emotionally manipulate the viewer in a way that is cruel and unusual punishment. That's a ta- that's called talented filmmaking. It's brutal, but it's very effective and it's very, it's very well done. And there's some scenes that in this film yeah. where I was really like gut punched. Um in a good way, you know, like it's a it's a really effective little nasty little film. The ending, I don't know if we're going to how detailed we're going to get about the ending. I, I meant like the we, very ending, the last thing we see. We can absolutely, if, I we're, was, if we're ready, well, first of all, I'll take a break for a second, because if we're ready, we can absolutely talk about the ending and we can spoil it. But I will okay. just give a spoiler alert. Um, I'll just okay. I'll just give a little alert and say, hey, we're about to spoil this film just in case you don't want to know. Attention listeners. We're about to spoil the ending. You've been warned. Am I... So, so go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I was hoping that the ending um, would have ended, I don't know, would have ended differently. Like, I don't mean with the family. The um, So we're in spoiler territory here. So the whole thing, the whole wraparound uh, bookmark uh, bookcase of this thing is the mother is holding the daughter. Um, she's pretty much dead, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, situation where she's waiting for the kid to jump up and she doesn't want anyone to touch her until she comes back to life. And the father is right there with the rifle and he's, he's, he's upset, of course, but he's just like, we have to do this. We have to do this. And she doesn't let him man. Sad things happen and no one's alive, but the very last second of the movie is a uh, a large, uh, like spacious view of the town and all the outlying areas, the mountains, and there's just fires everywhere. And there's just like a subtle ring of what sounds like a bomb. And it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And then all of a sudden you get the flashing again. What we become, what we become. I, I, in a zombie movie, I don't really think there is a better way to end it than that way. But I was just like, man, I wish they surprised me somehow. I don't know how, but somehow. But I, I, it was yeah, a good ending. I hear you. I I truly love the ending because, okay. because I'll tell you why. Um, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you. Um, it was... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was... Um, it was really sort of, I mean, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. Oh, and obviously they telegraph it because they start 
the they start the film with yeah. the ending. So you you yeah. know essentially you don't know exactly, but you know essentially where we're going. Yeah, it's um, gonna be you, a mess. You know it's one of those films where there's no happy ending, right? Um and it was really emotionally devastating. I thought the mom was extraordinary. Like her, yeah. the level of like grief and and her reaction, you know, he was he was basically and he was right. Like, let me let me preface it to say he was right to say we've got to shoot the daughter. Yeah. But also I completely empathize with the mom and I would not want him to shoot her either. And I wouldn't have I would as you know. Imagining that situation, I can imagine being like, I would rather die at the hands of my like zombie daughter than sit here and watch you put a bullet in her head. You know, like as a mom, you're just and this is what I think. This is one thing about this film that I did want to bring up. I think a lot of times and, you know, when you watch like Walking Dead type stuff or any sort of zombie films, I think we have this tendency to be like and it's not real, but there is this sort of like glamorization of it where you're like oh, bring on the zombie apocalypse you know like i could survive a zombie apocalypse it'd be badass i wouldn't have to go to work i wouldn't have to do this i could you know, like you sort of create this little fantasy about how like fucking cool it would be to be yeah. in like mad max post-apocalyptic yeah. world i'm gonna put on and my then, electric tape from like in yeah. trained was trained to bazan and yeah you're gonna shoot on. guns you're gonna be a badass you know um you like look all buff in a tank top. It's going to be a real like good time. Um, oh, but you're right. a film like this does a very good job of being like, you know what? In real life, this would suck yeah. on a level that you can't even begin to imagine. And the terror and the worst part of it, obviously, is that like you're going to have to watch people you love die in horrible ways. And I that's that's the kind of like gravitas that hits really hard where you realize the it you know it's all fun and games until it's like really real and you're sitting there holding your like beautiful sweet adorable little daughter in your hands and your husband's like i need to blow her brains out and you're just like i don't know it's it was a very it was a very devastating scene for me i thought it was very well handled and i i loved it and i loved how like it's so bleak there's no there's no hope in sight. There's no glimmer of like, eh, maybe it'll be okay. Or maybe like a couple of people will survive or whatever. It was just like, no, yeah. this is, this is fucking world ending and it's yeah. game over. And that was, that was a, that's a brave thing to do because people, they expect and crave a little bit of a happy ending. And there, there is no happy ending in sight with this, no. with this bad boy. Uh, with that last thought you had, I thought you were going to go to uh Again, The Walking Dead or Dawn of the Dead, because these are all movies where they're realistic, I guess, to a certain extent, but all the characters are just unfucking touchable. They're not um, vulnerable. Whereas the characters in what we become, you know, they just have their regular home clothes on. Um, they do seem like just the way, I don't know if it's the lighting or the way the performances were, they do seem like babes in the woods like totally exposed totally vulnerable to and to everything here's the thing it's like i mean i look i love walking dead and i love that kind of stuff and i love well, so do i i love like the sort of we're almost like superheroes kind of aspect but at the same time 99 percent of us are not prepared for a zombie apocalypse like a real one no, no. and we would just be i, I mean I, I i say this all the time like I'll say like, oh, yeah, zombie apocalypse. Cool. Like, bring it on. 
But in the same breath, I'm like, I'm not going to survive a zombie apocalypse. I'm not going to survive for more than like the first hour of the zombie apocalypse. I'm going to be done for. It's yeah. it's just there's. And honestly, I want to be done for because I don't want to. I really don't want to survive in the world that they have to live in once, uh, you know, once the initial threat is like all the people that are going to die in the first wave are done. And then it's a matter of like. You have to deal with things like, do we have enough food to eat? And how do we survive? How do we just survive basic? Forget it. Forget zombies. How do you just like, you know, continue to sustain sustain yourself? Um, that's just fucked up. I don't, I don't I'm really very excited about that. I just don't want to die uh, being eaten alive. It's not my ideal way to go. Like, I'm not saying like, yes, mm. that would be fantastic. But I feel like there are worse ways to go than being eaten by a zombie. Wow. What? I want to have an episode one time just just to debate just to debate that because that's just fascinating. What do you think would be a worse way? There's um, so many horrible ways I to die. I can think like, of a million worse ways. Okay. Jamie, as much horror as you have watched, you look, any kind of prolonged agony, I'm not a fan of. Like torture films, th- these yeah. torture films fuck me up because they'll do this thing where they torture someone for a very long time. And then in the end they kill them. And I'm like, that's climactic. That to me is the worst because it's like (laughs) you go through all this suffering only to die in the end. Um, Burning alive, I think would be is, is, is one of my number one absolute worst ways. Starving to death is pretty, is pretty brutal. Um, And that's another thing you actually do have to worry about in a zombie apocalypse is like, if you should yeah. just don't have food or water and just withering away, that seems worse than getting eaten by a zombie. Um, it, drowning is pretty horrible to me. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot, Jamie. Um, really, honestly, honestly Those- things that there's a whole lot of anticipation of the death are pretty awful. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know death is coming, really. I want it to yeah. sort of sneak up on me, get me, and then I'm gone really quickly. That's sort of my, it's everyone's dream, I guess. But, you know, things in a situation where, I always think about situations, this is going to derail us a little bit, but where you have a pretty good idea that you're going to die, but it takes a while before the death actually happens, and you just have to sit there with the terror of the, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. That is probably the thing that scares me more than anything in the world. Like when I hear of situations, this is really bleak, but for example, something like 9-11, you know, where it's like, you know how much terror people went through before they actually died. And that is not okay. Seeing seeing those people jump out of those windows. Yes. Yeah. Not okay. No, so <laughs> no, not okay at all. Again, worse ways to, I mean, uh, getting eaten by zombies, not great. Don't get me wrong, but way yeah. worse ways to go. If I, if I have to, if you're going to pin me down. You haven't seen Day of the Dead very much, have you? I, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, I know it's, <laughs> I, I know. It, yeah. It's, it's not. Again, me saying there's worse ways to go isn't the same thing as me being like, I would love to get eaten by a zombie. Like, that would be yeah. super fun in games, you know? Like, I, I don't want to get eaten by a zombie. I don't really want to get eaten by anything. Um, I, always, I always go back, as far as painful zombie deaths go, well, there's there's tons of them. But for some reason, while we're talking about this, I'm thinking about um, the uh, heavyweight character who was in um, season two of The Walking Dead. 
and he went with uh, I don't know sheriff adulterer guy uh, to do something or get something and it was like one or the other and he like totally sacrificed the fat guy and that guy that poor guy yeah I feel bad about that I don't know where that came from we've really gone off the rails as per see this is what I mean usually. this is what I mean by like fun like keep this stuff because it's fun to listen to um we got to do our thing our normal thing and i'm gonna ask if this film is an infectious delight or a plague upon viewers what say you i say it is an infectious delight i agree don't just eh, check this out go it's great intentionally watch this yeah it's like I'm so proud of us because I honestly, when we started this show, I thought a good 95% of the stuff we'd watch was going to be absolute garbage. And that would be fun to talk about, but it wouldn't be great to watch. And we're actually like picking really good films, which I don't know if that's good or bad for the podcast, but um, I really enjoyed watching this. When when we eventually, I mean, I don't think we've even run into one that we both think is junk, but when we do, we're liable to have a really hoot, hoot and a holler of a time. You know, talking about it. You're trying, there right? is, oh my God. <laughs> we have another film to talk about. Do we ever? Um, so for this one, I picked three films that I wanted you to choose from. Yes. And the films that I picked are... 2006 Mad Cowgirl about a woman who begins a surreal journey after finding out she's dying of a brain disorder. 2012's From Beneath about a man who gets bitten by a strange organism while on vacation with his girlfriend. And 2015 Summer Camp about a plague that breaks out at a European summer camp. And Jamie, which one did you pick and why? Stephanie, you predicted that I would choose Mad Cowgirl and you were absolutely right. I love the trauma-esque toxic yellow and red and orange cover. It was very, it it didn't explain anything, the uh, the cover, yet it still said, you're in for for a wild fucking ride. And I I chose that, absolutely. Um, So Matt Cowgirl is a low-budget film by Gregory uh, Hatanaka, is I believe how you'd pronounce that, um, who... This is super interesting. He dedicated the movie to uh, one to a woman named Doris Doris Wishman, who Doris, uh, yeah, Doris filmmaker Wishman, who directed 1960s sex exploitation films, yep. such as yep. Diary of a Nudist, Behind the Nudist Curtain, and Bad Girls Go to Hell. Yeah, I have Bad Girls Go to Hell. He. Also dedicated it to uh, a filmmaker who I really love, uh, John Cassavetes, who's widely regarded as one of the most daring and influential filmmakers of the 20th century. So that's a really interesting uh, couple of people to dedicate a film like this to. I have um, only I have only seen had, or had any exposure to John Cassavetes through Rosemary's Baby, but I've heard he's just like a spectacular talent. Uh, Mad Cowgirl received a limited release in major cities such as New York City and Seattle, and it was released on DVD in December 2006. It had an estimated budget of only $350,000. 
Let's get into it. So, um, I do you care if I start off with a little something before we sort of get into this proper? There, uh, you can take the torch with this one. I don't mind what you start out with because this was just one okay. of our crazy ones. One of the okay. crazy ones. Yeah, it's super nutty. Um, um, but what I wanted to start with is that <laughs> this one has this insanely polarizing Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's got a 33% from critics. Um, but there are, only, there are only 12 critical reviews. And it's interesting because most of the reviews for this film, the, the websites no longer exist. Um, so it's a very, it seemed like when we're talking about critics, we're talking about the sort of smaller, more obscure critics. Um, and then, but on the audience score, which this is really fascinating, it had an 89% with more than 500 ratings. So that's really, that's very different than I would have expected, honestly. Um, and it's crazy because the critics didn't touch, couldn't, didn't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, but, uh, it seems like it has a pretty big cult following and a lot of like user reviews and a lot of affection from the audience. Um, I will when, say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. When you say 500, um, do you mean 500 people voted or? Yes. Is that just like a numeric average? No, 500 different reviews okay. to okay. the 89% is the average yeah. rating. Okay. Um, so the reviews for this, the ones that I could find are honestly some of the most spectacular that I've ever read. Really? And it really tells you something about the sort of hallucinogenic trip that we're about to embark on. Okay. So the first one is a film distributor turned filmmaker of dubious merit director and co-writer Gregory Hatanakis eagerly caters to those who think film history begins with Quentin Tarantino and ends with Takashi Miike. It will appeal primarily to 20-something psychos in training and women who hate men. <laughs> this one this one is actually pretty funny. It says, uh, Mad Cowgirl is either brilliant or awful. I honestly don't know which. Five stars, question mark? One star, question mark? I can't give it an average of three um, because on this site, that means just average. And this movie is... It rips the molars out of average and fucks the two sockets. Four stars then. I don't know, man. I just work here. The one you just read? This, that should have gone on the box. No, actually, that's a pretty brilliant description. Okay, here's some more. Okay. This indulgently puerile waste of time plows ahead with pointless mayhem masquerading as air quotes art. Endlessly entertaining, though not recommended for anyone uncomfortable with soft porn, eroticized violence, or graphically depicted slaughter. Slick and often incomprehensible, it certainly gives you your money's worth if blood, gore, and blasphemy are what you're buying. What did you um, suspect at first? I, I was sort of suspicious. I thought it was going to be was, garbage. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be like a rape revenge movie with Kung Fu, which... It kind of is, a it little. It kind of is. I mean, it's yeah. got that vibe. It's definitely got a... um, Which is why you get the Quentin Tarantino reference. She's definitely yeah. kind of the bride, the Kill Bill um, bride at the end. Yeah. Um. It makes a lot of statements, the movie, I mean, and it makes them very cleverly, I think. Sort of an, well, it's, it is sort of an anti-meat 
uh, movie, or at least it's a movie that makes fun of See, the eroticism of of meat, or at least the meat in in Mad Cowgirl was just like it was meat porn. Well, here's what I got out of it. I did really find it to be anti meat. I thought that was really just a vehicle. I really feel like really? yeah, I feel like this was about forbidden flesh. I thought they were sort of making because she's okay. also very addicted to sex and she has a lot of questionable sex with very questionable men, <laughs> including her priest, who is, first of all, skeevy as hell. Second of all, like, what the fuck? Like, this is a very attractive girl. And this priest guy is very creepy and weird and and uncomfortable and all this shit. She and he's he's torn. He like sometimes he, he talks to her and and talks to her on on his uh on her voicemail he's just like full of love and revelation and like you are you are the the most wonderful thing in my life and there's other times where the exact same person is saying like we're disgusting you're a slut you're horrible i can't believe you well and there's a lot sort of bounces of- there's a lot of like ta- toxic masculinity in this. And this is a very yeah. like feminist film in that the men are very disgusting and very manipulative and very abusive. And that's sort of where the revenge aspect comes in is that she's sort of getting revenge on these men that have wronged her. And so it's not necessarily rape revenge, but it is like revenge on this toxic masculinity. Now, the yeah. reason the reason that I think the meat is like a parallel of like, she craves things that are bad for her. And that's sort of like a like a sort of self-abusive uh, kind of thing that a lot of people have where they they don't feel good about themselves so that they they don't really think they deserve better. So they sort of go after and it's this is all a lot of very subconscious level. Um, but I mean, a lot of this meat isn't even prepared. It's just raw meat. And she doesn't use utensils. She just digs into it. Yeah, but it's a metaphor for like, again, it's like it's forbidden flesh. It's a metaphor for her like craving these. She's trying to like fill a void. You know what I mean? And she's doing it through. She's doing it through sex and she's doing it through this consumption of meat. And that really is just a I do think that the meat aspect is a metaphor for the real shit that's happening. And this film, like, speaking of real shit, this film does this thing where you have no idea what is real and what is not real. You don't mm-hmm. know what's in her head. You don't know if she actually has mad cow disease. You don't know if she's actually losing her mind. You don't know if she's hallucinating, fantasizing all this. You don't know if this is, if the things that you're seeing are legitimately happening. You don't know if things are a metaphor. <laughs> like, nothing, it's so surreal and it's so... It plays out in such a like, uh, what's the, it, it feels. Um, Fever dream? Yes. Thank you. It, it's very, nothing feels like it's really happening and you actually have no idea what is really happening, um, which makes it very interesting and fun and cool, but also makes it a little bit hard to extrapolate because it's you're confusing. like, maybe none of this is happening. Maybe all of it's happening. Who the fuck knows? Honestly. I think, I think the the scenes in the meat plant, the meat meat uh, slaughtering plant, I think those were real. I can put money on that, but the rest of it, I don't know. Like the I, black priest, 
um, that replaced uh, her her adulterous priest friend. Uh, like he was very, his whole performance was very surreal. And he just sort of said, but he sort of sank into yet another guy that wanted to have sex with her. And it was just very, it seemed like, like a fever dream. Like, I don't think he was really doing that. I think she was imagining him being just another guy who just wants to get in my pants and he's a priest. So that means he's really just wants to get in my pants, you know? I don't. Uh... I feel like this film. I feel like to say, well, I think if we try to be like, okay, this part's real, this part's not real. Like we could do that exercise, but I think it's all hypothetical. I feel like it's very much like this is a bit of a controversial statement, but given that this film is so sort of one thing it does skewer is religion and the hypocrisy of religion. Yummy. Um, given that, I think it. This is a good analogy to say it's like when people cherry pick the bible and they're like well i mean clearly noah's ark that whole thing that's a parable that didn't really happen um but adam and eve did happen that's real um you know this part no that's exaggerated that's that's a metaphor that's allegory but you know yes jesus did die and he did resurrect and he is a zombie like you know what i mean it's like they they pick and choose things and none of it makes any sense really and i feel like it's a it's a crazy thing where it's like well if you've already decided that some of it isn't real how do you as the interpreter know how to determine there's no signpost to tell you like this is the real thing this is the fake thing this is the parable this is this really happened this is historical everything people take out of that is an a personal interpretation based on nothing other than what makes them sort of feel good what resonates um because there's no other factual information to go on and this is the same sort of situation with this film it's like whatever we are going to interpret is an interpretation it is not something that we can actually know or understand one of one of the uh one of the things one of the many things that i can criticize religion for is it gives people the permission to do anything as long as they turn it back around to uh, to religion to the bible well, the Bible says, you know, this, that there were a few occasions in the movie where um, let's just say also that Walter Koenig is the guy who plays the uh, the, na the naughty priest, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Chekhov. Chekhov. OK. He quoted the Bible a few times and it was just like it was just so hypocritical because he'd go from these just like huge soliloquies about morality and, and everything. And then he would. He'd call her like a couple minutes later and he'd be like, I think I figured it out. Can I come over now, please? He's fucking with her. They were all fucking yeah. with her. Or then again, maybe she imagined them all fucking with her. I mean, I think. And I have again, another question. I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Shit. Sorry, right. it wasn't important. Mm. Oh. Um. I know. I know what I was going to say. I was going to say now she has, does she have brain cancer and mad cow disease or is one confused with the other? Or No, mad cow disease is a disease that affects your brain. So. Okay. So that's where the brain. Okay. She's supposed to have mad cow disease, but again, I don't know if she does or if that's just a metaphor, if that's all in her yeah. head or like, okay. and I don't, honestly, I don't, think it matters what's real or not because this isn't a movie yeah. that is about 
telling a narrative story. This is a movie that is about making commentary and also is really is just a, well, it's, it's got some, I don't want to say it doesn't have depth because I think it does have some depth. I think it has some interesting things to say, but it also is like very much a like, tribute to Hong Kong martial art movies, a tribute yeah. to like, it, you can definitely feel the influences. Um, you know, we talked about it being dedicated to an erotic filmmaker and there's a lot of that sort of woven into this. There's a lot of, um, you know, there is a lot of talk about like what's forbidden and what's sinful and what's like, you know, moral and immoral and, and, how we make those judgments and how sort of hypocritical we are about it. And there's like really interesting things about that union of sex and violence that is so, that dichotomy is so interesting, especially in America, about how we view violence as being mostly totally fine, but sex is really like dirty and gross and sinful. And there's that really interesting, and and she really like, I think that's a very pointed thing. Like she is, very shamed for being very sexual like that. She's really considered there's something wrong with you, which is why I'm not really sure she has anything actually wrong with her or if it is just a metaphor for like people thinking that she's diseased and impure and bad um, because of her sexual proclivities. But there's a really interesting scene where she goes to a movie theater and they have like a split screen. And on one half, there's a martial arts movie. and On the other half, there's a porno. And they're like, which one Uh. do you want? And you can like watch both of them at the same time. I think that's a really fascinating. I love that scene. And I think it's it's got a lot of commentary happening in it. Um, Back to what I was saying about if what's real and what isn't. I think the ending. No, I won't. I won't get into that yet. But the conclusion, the ending solution that she has, I think that's all very real. I think she did that. She had those movies in mind. She was like, this is going to be my inspiration now. I'm going to, you know, rah, I'm going to go get them. And I think she used the Kung Fu movies as uh, as inspiration. And that, that I do think is real. See, that's interesting because um, I feel like that plays as the most, that to me, the ending played as the most um, surreal fantasy, uh, not real than anything else in the film. But it seems kind of like the logical end to what was going on in her life. If she was driven mad by that's a logical mad, end. <laughs> like it's uh, within the story. Yeah, if, I don't know. If you were living in her, if you were her, you know, would you? That would kind of. Would you propel yourself in that direction? I mean, for, no. uh, don't forget. Now she is insane. I would fantasize about it, but would I do it? No. I, I that's mean. What, that's what makes you Stephanie in that that a movie. Yeah, but I I would I mean it plays out like a an unhinged fantasy. That's why I'm not sure if it's real because oh, it yeah. is the kind of thing that you would you would fantasize about. And the reason I say that, well, and look, this is a film that I don't know how careful we need to be with spoilers because it's not. It's hard to spoil because it isn't a narrative. So no. it's just an experience. Like the film is an experience. And even if I told you everything that happened from start to finish, you are still going to have an insane experience watching this film because of the way that it's executed. But I'll say this, the reason why I think it's hinted at that. Now, did, did she, 
and I think it's okay to say she kills people because that's sort of like the that's, it, that's sort of the point of this film is that it's a yeah. revenge story um where she goes crazy and she kills a bunch of people um I think that she might kill people but does she do it in the way that we're seeing it play out that seems unlikely just because it is so fantastical and it is based on movies she's seen so I think she's imagining herself in this like as this badass martial artist because she yeah. loves those kind of films and oh my god you're I'm uh, you're right about something you mentioned before about flesh because they like meat is like the theme of this entire movie yeah and like there's 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 media there's like television shows there's a uh, the sermons that uh Chekhov uh, does. They're all about like meat. If you eat meat, it's like the most horrible thing ever. It's it's just poison. It's it's just toxic. Don't eat meat. It's a sin. But there's other times, usually from him, he's saying, "Oh, this is wonderful. Eat eat meat. It's the most wonderful thing." Everything like well, every I, ethical decision in this movie is based around eat meat or not meat or yeah, not to and, eat meat. And again, I think it's it's flesh. And I think yes, if you you're think right. of that, yes. I think it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for sex, like the meat. I don't think yeah. the meat is, I don't think there's any, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I mean, I know in the film, it feels like there's commentary on meat, but I don't think the filmmaker is actually making commentary on meat. I think it's a commentary on the way we view sexuality, especially female sexuality. For such a gonzo film, Good word. The thank you. the The notes that I wrote down are actually pretty heady and pretty like. Oh, I actually think there's some things, some really powerful things being said in this really crazy ass film. If yeah. you, if you, you know, kind of take the time to process it that way, and you don't have to. Like, I think this is a film, and we've talked about this before, where you can watch it and you can have a balls to the wall, insanely good time and not give a shit about any of the messages and not take anything serious away from it. But I do think if you're somebody who likes a little bit of depth, um, then you, there's plenty of smart stuff in this. Yes. You have to dig for it underneath all the bananas ness of it. Um, but one of the things I wrote is like, I think she craves nourishment for the body and the soul, but both are tainted. And then in parentheses, it's like food and sex. It's like she is, again, trying to fill this void in her life. And she's trying to, like, nourish herself. But everything she consumes, relationships, food, any of that is tainted. And it's actually making her, it's making her sick. It's making her, you know, mentally ill. It's making her emotionally ill. It's making her physically ill. Um, because nothing is pure and everything is tainted. And I, and most of that her, is a, a, a going back to her relationship to men and to how she's been, you know, abused and treated. Go ahead. Her relationship with her brother is very strange. I'd like to hear your take on that. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, uh, it's, you know, incestuous and uh, uncomfortable you, and inappropriate. Do you think that we were witnessing the first time they ever had a sexual encounter? Because no. it seemed like it to me. You don't think so? No, No, I think it reads as, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Uh, to your point, like, I think that there's been, let's say this. I feel like for a while they've had a, there's been an, a, a, 
an ickiness between like an awkwardness uh, yes. uh they're a little too close um now if they ever had sex before if that was the first time they consummated this weirdness um unclear but i don't think it's the first time there's been this vibe of we're a little closer than we probably should be like there is an onslaught of violence and male aggression and there i really do think there is a lot being said here about um you know how women are treated and the things that they have to deal with and you know everything's over the top like you talked about the doctor who is the doctor she's going to who is like oh you you know you might have a brain tumor like something's wrong he doesn't know it's mad cow at the, at the time but he's like there's something seriously wrong and it's obviously a very it's a very serious intense like situation and then he's like so maybe we can get some dinner sometime like he's like totally fucking hitting on her and it's like that's the thing like this film is very exaggeratory in that every man not, yeah all the men are not just problematic but they're extremely problematic to the point yeah. of cartoonish but it is i think it does have something important to say about um you know her not feeling safe anywhere like she's not safe with her family she's not safe with her doctor she's not safe with her priest anybody that is supposed to protect you and care for you and be a safe place to land is toxic and horrible and problematic in this film and that is um you know that's that's really dark and twisted and fucked up so underneath all the like crazy silly goofy you know insane visuals and everything that's happening um there is that sort of dark undertone one of the things that really got to me was when uh the the priest is like so he you know he's with her like you talked about this he's with her and then he shuns her he's like get away from me and yeah. then he like wants whenever after he does that then he wants her again and then she doesn't want him he first does the thing where like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. I miss you. And then she's like, no, you're no good for me. This isn't good. And then he is like, then immediately he goes from, I love you. I need you to like, you bitch, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I need you to be with me, you bitch. And it's that like thing that men do so much where they're like, hey baby and then you're like no thanks and they're like oh you stuck up bitch and she's just like okay I immediately you go from being what? like this object of desire to this like you know the most disgusting horrible creature on the planet and it's thank uh, you sir you've completely changed my mind yeah i it's it, <laughs> it's bitch. like oh. it's like the rage and the entitlement it's like i it's a very incel behavior right it's like i'm entitled to love from you and if you don't give it to me then you're the problem like you're the fucking worst you're not um treating me with respect you're not giving me what i deserve and therefore you are you know scum of the earth and and that's such a huge problem and so perpetuated in like society and i thought that they it, that's, that's actually really creepy and unsettling to me yeah i actually think though that that way of thinking is dying a slow death Oh, I don't know. I, do. I mean, I, I hope you're right, but it, it's it's if it's slow, it's very slow. The social changes over the past five or ten years are they're going to hit that they're they're going to they are going to have they already do, but they're going to have such an earth shattering impact 
I guess. I mean, I... Do you disagree with my optimism? No, I mean, I do think socially and politically, um, the pendulum always swings. And it's like we will be, we'll go through a period of, uh, you know, heavy conservatism where there's a lot of like repression and oppression and backwards thinking and bad laws and all kinds of shit. And then we'll have a reaction to that and we'll get very liberal and very progressive and we'll, you know, it'll be very exciting and hopeful. And we just went through this very progressive, hopeful time period. And now we're doing the thing where we're pendulum is swinging because we were so progressive for so long and it was very exciting people freaked out and they're like, oh my God, progress. And now we need to go backwards and we need to like start um, unwinding all these laws and we need to go back to where it was like 50 years ago. And the, the thing is that the reason I get depressed about that is it's like, yeah, I, it, it's hard to be hopeful because you're like everything. It feels like there's always a backlash against progress and it feels like progress is so hard and so long. And it's just like, oh, I want it I want it faster and better and I want it to be, I want to be progressively progressive. Like I don't want to like take two steps, one step forward and two steps back always, which is what we always kind of seem to do. The only hope we have is that like younger, smarter, better people will. That's what um, I mean. That's what I'm talking about. But but sure. And I agree with that. Like I think that, you know, the children of their future, (laughs) let them lead the way. But (laughs) Also, I think that they have parents who are bigots and they have they've been indoctrinated into hatred and bigotry and stuff. So it's not like it just goes away when all the old people die like it. This is generational, you know, I still think it's going to change eventually. I'm not putting a time date. I'm not putting a time limit on it. Like it could take centuries. I don't know. Well, maybe not centuries, but several decades. But I I do think that things are going to get better. Anyway, um. I have no fucking idea where we were at or what we, we were pretty say. much done with it. We were at, uh, we were talking about James Duvall and well, the toxic let me say masculinity. This. Let me say this. Okay. Um, I don't, again, I don't think spoilers really apply here, but I do think no. that the last 10 minutes of this film is some of the greatest minutes of cinema that I have ever seen. She please clarify. She goes and dispatches all these toxic men in her life. Um, and she she there's this like epic, um very Kill Bill-esque uh fight scene, or like um sort of had a vibe of Scott Pilgrim. Um, where it's just mm-hmm. this like kind of cartoon, comical over the top, like going and like taking out all these bad guys um and there's this rap song that plays that's master of the flying guillotine which is pretty great um and it's all this like homage to uh like 70s hong kong films and i just feel like it's so fun and it's so epic and it's so entertaining um i loved every second of it i mean it's unhinged it's off the rails uh but it's wildly fun to me and i i think you do have to, I think if you're going to enjoy this film, you know, you definitely need to like sort of Godzo cinema and it's very grindhousey. You sort of have to have a, yeah. a an affinity for that kind of thing. Um, if you do love martial arts films, I think you're really going to, this is obviously a very much a love letter to um, 
those kind of films. Yeah. And I, I think it's I w- incredibly fun. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I would say it's not a martial arts movie, but it is definitely a movie about martial arts. Yeah. I mean, the character is obsessed with martial arts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it's a very big part of her life. And she's like really obsessed. Like this TV show is about this like girl who's like ass kicking, you know, martial artist who like takes out all these bad guys. And she sort of imagines that she is her and um, has that, this sort of fantasy relationship with it. That show was hilarious. That was shows, fake. I mean, the filmmakers obviously made that. Well, there really but, is a show. There really is a movie that is uh, the girl with a thunderbolt kick. But they like Cindy did Rothrock, it. Cynthia Rothrock. They did. Um, they did this like sort of Americanized. Like they turned it into a television show with this like white blonde girl. Um, but it's like inspired by a real like martial arts movie. That I haven't seen, but I know. And also yeah. she talks about um, the 10 Tigers from, from Quenyang or whatever. Um, uh-huh, yeah. That's a movie as well. That's a famous martial arts movie. So the references that are in it are like rooted in reality, but they're just like altered for this universe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, but okay. Well, it sounds like we're just sort of running out of steam on talking about this one, which is fine. Um, so I guess we will just do our conclusion and we will decide if we think that this is a rare treat or tainted meat. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I think it's a tainted meat. You think it's tainted meat? Treat. It's a tainted treat. So it's like half and half. Is it a rare treat or a tainted treat? It's a, it's a tainted rare treat. It's, it's a, it's a rare treat. It's a treat. It's but thumbs it's up just... for you. What? Yes. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have a problem with thumbs up and thumbs down. It's, it's good. It's just, it's just extremely, people like us will love it. I hate to, I hate to be elitist, but let's just be honest here. People like us will I love it. I don't think that's elitist. Pe- people, people who sort of like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, A, B, C, uh, plot storytelling um they might have a have a problem with it unless they s- feel open minded that day if you say people like us is elitist that implies that we are somehow better and i would not say that liking this film makes you better i just think it makes you a I little do. bit more eccentric i think it makes you weirder i think it makes like, you smarter Ah, that's a that's we, a bold statement, Jamie. We found an hour, an hour's worth of discussion about this, this movie that even the makers of the movie probably forgot about by now. So, I I think we're special. I absolutely do. I'm not I'm not co-signing on this. This is Jamie. This is all Jamie. Uh, this is not endorsed by this podcast. This is his personal opinion. <laughs> Aren't you the one that's been accused of being an elitist in the past? Yeah, no, I am an elitist, but. <laughs> yeah, we're cool because we like this movie and we can well, talk about it. We're I, fucking awesome. Face uh, it. It's because I like, for me, it's because I like the um, real cerebral art house films. Yeah. And when people are like, it's dumb, it's boring, then I'm like, you're dumb and boring. And then. Yes. You know, I, I get accused of being an elitist, but whatevs. Well, know. I'll I'll stick by you with that one. We're we're special. Fuck them. 
Okay. Well, do you want to hear my special opinion then? My rarefied opinion? Well, well of course I do. <laughs> my my holier than thou, better than everyone else opinion on this film. Bless us with your thoughts. <laughs> oh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, oh, not with the prayers that start triggering. No. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this film is pretty anti-religion, if we haven't already yeah. told you that of several times. And I mean, it's, it's like disgustingly, aggressively anti-religion. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not. Uh, the, it, it's it, it's it's for the heathens. It's a film for yeah. the heathens, for sure. Yes. This isn't just like, hmm, maybe the Bible isn't right. You know, no, 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 no. That's not here. <laughs> this They take it all the way here. So I love it too. I mean, it it does help if you are a heathen because you will be like, yes, like this is, this is glorious. Um, There's definitely. mm, I mean, (laughs) that's going to be, that's going to be a real subjective thing when we're talking about we're special because we are um, heathens. Um, There's definitely going to be people that will disagree with us on that one. (laughs) All right. Well, here's what I think about the film. I first of all, I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very cautious in my recommendation of it, however, because it is one of those films where I'm like, I, I'm gonna, I would recommend it, but with a ton of caveats and a ton of like, here's how to self-select and decide if you're gonna like this film or not. Um, like if I was talking to somebody I knew and I knew what their aesthetic and their vibe was, like if I, if I saw this film and you hadn't seen it, I would absolutely be like, oh my God, Jamie, you need to see this film. Like you need to see it today, drop everything, stop what you're doing, you know, just fucking go watch this film. But if I'm talking to the masses who I don't know, um, I'm going to be a lot more careful in my recommendation because it's, it's for show, not for everyone. Like it is way, way, way not for everyone. It's for me. I love the shit out of it. Um, well, it is for us. That's part of what makes us special. I think one of the things <laughs> that I think, and this is going to sound a little heady for a film of this nature, but I think it does this really great job of like walking this really delicate line between sort of art house aesthetics and grindhouse schlock. Like on one hand, it's very campy and over the top and weird and um like exploitation and all that shit on the other hand like it has got some really smart important things to say like there's a shit ton of like social commentary there's media critique there's surrealism um there's all these like heavy themes and tropes and there's like elements of porn and there's asian trash cinema and there's all that there's just all this shit happening and it's very interesting and it's very um like you could peel apart the layers for a really long time if you wanted to uh and so it's really smart and it's really clever and creative and unique and i love it um but you don't have to watch it on that sort of intellectual level to appreciate it you could just watch it as pure schlock and be like this is fucking fun and that's cool too like it works on, on multiple levels and I love films that do that where they're they're really bold and audacious and and deceptively smart, but also you can just have a hell of a good time with it. So um I've put this film in that category and think think it really it 
it's not something that I'm going to forget anytime soon. Like it definitely stands out and it's memorable. It's made on like a $10 budget and they are so creative on how, what they do with this very limited resources. Um, and I thought the girl was badass. I thought the, the lead actress is really committed and amazing yeah. and, and fun. So, yeah. Um, anything to add before we move to the next, next phase of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, it's funny because we sort of thought of this, uh, show as we were going to, it was sort of going to be serious, but I mean, it was sort of going to be a comedy hour because we were going to watch all this goofy shit mm -hmm. and just have, a, have a gay old time with it. But pretty much everything we've seen, I, I found a couple of the movies to be a little bit average, but on the whole, we've seen nothing but good movies. Well, some great. I, I would argue that a movie like Satan's Children isn't a good movie, but it was like a hell of a fun time. But I would argue yeah. that we had fun with that one because it is like absolute nonsense. So I don't, it's not like we've seen a bunch of like fucking masterpieces. We've just enjoyed everything we've seen, which is somewhat different than saying we've watched a bunch of good films. I guess, true. <laughs> but we could just do a better job picking. Like, I kind of think we're picking films that look good and maybe we should pick films that look like shit and uh, be a little bit more bold, bold in our selections. I don't know. Thank you so much, Jamie. You're so, be, you're so kind and generous and, sweetie, and the best. It'll be fine. You'll be Thanks, fine. Thanks, dear. Thanks, honey. It'll I appreciate it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Wow. Just... Um, this was your theme. Yes. You picked infected horror films. Yes. Um, do you happen to have a couple, you know, two, three, four films that fall under this theme that you think are underappreciated and that people should see? And, you know, you could just go through them really quickly. You don't have to give a big synopsis, but um, okay. just a couple of films that you think people should check out if they like infected horror films. Well, Anti-Birth with Natasha Lyonne. Mm, That's yes. a great one. Oh that God, one yes. is in, that one falls into the same category as Mad Cowgirl in the fact, in the sense that it's yes. not linear. It's very colorful. It's very gross. Not gory, but gross. Um, I, yeah, I highly recommend that. Um, the, tw the 2002, th take two, the 2010 <laughs> film um, Rabies uh, from Israel is mm -hmm. that is sort of more in the what we become disturbing category than the fun category thanatomorphos um which is on under un, underground um unearthed films is a classic don't eat when you see that movie because it's just i mean it's bodies falling to pieces literally vaginal maggots i mean it goes all the way and um beach house i believe beach house is really good Beach House is good. Yeah. Um, those are really, really solid picks. Um, I thank you. You're well, you're welcome. Don't get don't get too big of a head. So it's my turn to pick the theme for our next episode. And in honor of all the little kitties going back to school, I'm gonna go with school horror. So that is anything that involves a campus or revolves around student bodies.
Well, that's it for this week. If you like what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or leaving us a five-star review on Spotify. It really helps. And remember, there are vast depths of this genre sea that we've yet to explore. So join us next time as we dive into even more. Wait, 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 wait. Be excellent to each other. Not good. Jesus. Not okay. I just wanted to wish everybody. I just wanted to wish everybody. This was fun, question mark? (laughs)